0: sisters and brothers in Christ. One of the many ministries that we have here at St. Paul's is a group of people who meet together and serve under the name Beautiful Feet. They seek ways to go out into the neighborhood and into the community and share the gospel, especially to the unchurched and to unbelievers. Now, why do they get their name Beautiful Feet? Well, I, I, I hope you heard... Uh, that I just read from Romans chapter 10. And wouldn't you know, St. Paul actually even quotes Isaiah in writing about beautiful feet. Here it is. How then will they call on him of whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of they they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written in Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So I want to talk to you this morning about your feet. Take a look at your feet. They're beautiful, aren't they? Oh, okay, maybe not. Take a look at your neighbors. Take a look at your neighbors' feet then. Maybe, maybe they're better, huh? But, but isn't that passage something? I mean, we normally talk about beautiful hair or beautiful eyes, huh? but we don't usually refer to feet as being very beautiful. But the scripture says they are beautiful when they bring the good news to someone. The good news of Jesus Christ. Our feet take us to where we need to go. And that's what makes them beautiful. The feet of our Savior, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ were certainly beautiful. Here's a picture, as a matter of fact, on the left side of the screen. Here's a picture of a a little shrine at the bottom of the altar in Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives at the Church of the Ascension. Now, it is said and believed by some that from that rock that you kind of see a footprint in there if you get real creative. That's Jesus' last footprint on earth as he ascended uh, to his Father's right hand. I'm very skeptical that that is real uh, and nor does it make any difference to me whether it is or isn't. But what we do know is that our Lord, the God of the universe, did take upon himself human flesh. And he had beautiful feet. As a matter of fact, he used those feet to walk all over this earth in the the holy presence of being God in the flesh. And then he offered up those feet to a Roman nail when they were nailed to the cross for your sins and mine. And of course, today in the Gospel lesson, we learn about another person's beautiful feet. Peter, whose feet stepped over the edge of the boat, and those beautiful feet of Peter's walked on water. So before we get to uh, the beautiful feet that announced the good news, we should examine this miracle, this amazing miracle of Peter walking on water. Now, I know that it is, a, a fami- it is an account that is very familiar to Christians. You've heard it from Sunday school days on. And it's a very very reminiscent of compulsive Peter. You know, Peter did those kinds of things. Uh, and, uh, of course, some people would like to discount the miraculous in the Bible. They, they would like to say, well, big deal, Peter walking on water. How is that relevant to the issues we have to deal with today in American society? Or some people just deny it. You know, we even make jokes about it, don't we? When we are about to do something impossible, we say, What? You think you can walk on water? Or we have that other joke about, You know, if you want to walk on water, all you have to do is know where the stones are. Yeah. But I'm sick of skeptical humanists who try to mutilate the straightforward message of the Gospels. Where do we get off trying to limit? Almighty God. Have we got so technologically advanced that if we can't rationally come up with an explanation how Peter walked on water we just dis- dismiss it? Has we, have we discovered so many of the answers to life's questions that we think we've got all the answers when in fact we don't even know how to ask the right questions? Does something unexplainable threaten our modern way of thinking? I think God in his heaven has a great big smile on his face as he sees our puny arrogance. Peter walked on water. And it was the author John Ortberg who several years ago wrote a book entitled If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. It's a book about faith. It's a book about stronger faith. It's a book about growing your faith and keeping your eyes focused on Jesus and his many wonderful promises and it would do us all good to approach this story and the rest of the gospel for that matter with a childlike faith that Jesus raises up remember when those mothers brought the little children to Jesus and he said unless you believe like these little ones you can't enter the kingdom of God that's the kind of faith okay it would do us all some good so how about us this morning? Are we ready to put our beautiful feet over the edge of the boat and see what happens? Well, if we are, then let's go back to the story. Jesus had just fed the 5,000. You remember Pastor Josh preached on that last week, right? And the disciples were cleaning things up, and Jesus was tired, and he wanted to get away. Uh, He did that oftentimes, you know. He wanted to go off by himself and be in communication with the Father, that to be a good lesson for all of us by the way. And so left on their own, the disciples when they got done cleaning up, decided they would head out on their boat and try a little night fishing. Now that was common too. often was done up on the Sea of Galilee and it was about 3:30 or four o'clock in the morning when a wind came up. And with the wind the waves got a little high and that was not unusual either. They had experienced that before. And yet from out of the darkness uh, comes Jesus. And he's got no boat. He's simply walking on the water. And while the disciples were not expecting to see him, remember it was dark, remember it had been a long day for them, and they didn't quite see what they were, understand what they were seeing, and so they hollered out and said, It's a ghost! And Jesus shouted out, No, it isn't. It's me. Well, actually, what he said was in the Greek, Ego e me. Ego e me. I want you to know what that really means. Ego e me means, I am. Aha. I am. Let's see, what did Moses uh, have from God when Moses asked God, you want me to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go? Who shall I say sent me? And God said, tell him I am sent you. And then in John's gospel, Jesus is talking to the Jews about who their father is. And he says, I am. I am who I am. In other words, that ego me, that I am, is not just a couple of pronouns. It, it's, the, it's the answer that I am the God of the universe. I am Jehovah. I am Yahweh. Okay. I am the God of the Old Covenant, I am the God of the New Testament, right? God in the flesh. Don't be afraid, Peter. Ego me. I am God." Big smile on his face as he said, "Don't be afraid, Peter. E me." No wonder, then Peter responds with, "My Lord, my Lord." tell me to come to you on the water that's so much like peter's personality isn't it we we know how impulsive peter can get from all kinds of other stories in the new testament he says before jesus can make his way into the boat he says lord tell me to come to you on the water and again i'm i'm certain that with a little smile jesus has on his face he says to peter okay come." And our scripture says Peter walked on water. But not for long. Pretty soon, the wind came and a wave hit him in the face, right? And he took his eyes off of Jesus and he looked at his own human predicament and he became a thinker, right? Even though he was a fisherman, he shouted out to Jesus, Save me! And Jesus did. Jesus reached down. And grabs Peter's arm and pulls him into the boat. And the text, the gospel lesson closes then with this finish. He says, and when the disciples, when Peter and Jesus got into the boat, the disciples bowed down in front of Jesus and they worshipped him. And they said, you are truly Ego Emi. You are truly Jehovah Yahweh God. Now this is a story about faith. Actually, it's a story about the power of faith and there are lessons all over the Bible about the power of faith, especially when people find themselves in the storms of life. It wasn't logic that caused Moses to raise up his, his staff when the Red Sea was in front of him and Pharaoh's army was coming behind him, and he was leading the children of Israel. It wasn't logic, it was faith. And the fact that he was scared, he was filled with fear, for what the Egyptian army was about to do. We live in a world filled with fear. We're afraid of one another. We're afraid of getting old. We're afraid of getting fat. We're afraid of being laughed at. We're afraid of being punished. We're, be, we're afraid of, uh, of being found out. We're afraid of being embarrassed. We're afraid of losing. Ones who are close to us, we're afraid of being alone. We're afraid of the dark. We're afraid of getting cancer or having a stroke. We're afraid of war, terrorism, chaos, death. Oh yeah, there are some days when we get along just fine. And then here come the days when with very little warning, we are filled with fear. And when that happens, we too result to the only thing that a Christian should do, and that is, save me, O Lord. Doubt and fear are terrible things, but faith is a wonderful thing. And our prayer this morning should be, Lord, give us faith to really believe in your promises, especially in the storms of life. Faith is, after all, what's left when we get out of the sinking boat of our human efforts and rely instead of upon ourselves, don't do that, but we rely upon the God who pulls us up out of the sins of our hopelessness and saves us. In the book of Hebrews, there's a wonderful definition of faith. Right at the beginning of chapter 11, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the confidence of things you cannot see. Assurance and confidence, right? Even of things we cannot see or understand. Remember doubting Thomas, you know, when he finally saw Jesus after Easter? And Jesus says, well, yeah, blessed are you, Thomas, you've seen. Blessed even more are those who have not seen and yet believe. They see with the eyes of faith. Saint John says at the end of his gospel, Jesus did many other things that are not written in this book, that these things are written that you might believe. Have confidence, assurance. Faith is the power of confidence to believe what we cannot see, to believe that the Son of God was dead on Friday and alive on Sunday. You can't debate anybody into that one. All you can do is say, I believe. I believe. Help my unbelief. All right. We've talked about the power of faith. Now we need to get back and consider what the disciples' reaction was when Jesus and Peter got back in the boat. We are told they worshipped him. Right? Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, as far as we know from the Scriptures, they had never done that before. Never. Check it out. Open your Bible. Do a search, if you will. For any other time when it says the disciples corporately praised him, worshipped him, you won't find it. You won't find it after Jesus heals the leper, after Jesus forgives the adulterous woman, you won't find it. After he preaches to the masses, right? They were willing to follow him. They were willing to leave their families. They were willing to cast out demons when he asked them to. They were willing to be in his army of disciples. But only after this incident On the Sea of Galilee, does it say they worshipped him? Now they might have done it in other times. That is an argument from silence. But we know this time they worshipped him. Why? Well, simple. Because this time they were the ones who were saved. One minute the storm had them by the neck and Peter was sinking. And the next minute they were sitting on the deck of the boat and the sun was coming up, and the sea was calm, and they worshipped. You see, when you see God as creator, you admire him. When you recognize his wisdom, you learn from him. When you discover his strength, you rely upon him. But when, he, when you realize that he has saved you, You worship him. I know you've heard me say the meaning of that old English word worship comes from when the master comes into your presence and you flatten yourself down on the ground and kiss your master's feet. Aha! We're back to feet again. Those beautiful feet. Eventually those disciples dispersed all over the then known world and they let their beautiful feet take them all over the world to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Beautiful are the feet of those who bring good tidings. And so for our final lesson today a couple of stories. The Lord says our feet are beautiful when we talk to others about the good news when we serve others as he has served us, when we love one another as he has first loved us, then our feet are beautiful. You know what? What do your feet do when you're sitting? Nothing. Right? I love the cartoon of the seven-year-old boy that was walking hand-in-hand with his dad, and he looked up into his dad's eyes and he said, Dad, if I'm to walk in your footsteps, would you please keep moving? The Lord has asked us to finish the job of seeking the lost, which he has come to do. Beautiful feet are meant to take us somewhere. They're meant for us to be about the Great Commission. Leonardo da Vinci had once worked on a great masterpiece for many, many months. And while he was working on the masterpiece, one of his students was watching him all along. Watched him at work and and saw this masterpiece evolve over time. He was awed by da Vinci's beautiful techniques, and he was in hope of picking up some of the skills for himself. But before da Vinci finished the painting, we are told, he turned to the student, he gave the student the brush, and said, now you finish it. And the student stepped back and said, what? No way, I wouldn't dream of touching your work. But da Vinci said, what I have done should have inspired you to do your best, now finish the work. Throughout the scriptures, we discover there is a great masterpiece from Genesis to Revelation that the Lord has unfolded in front of us, his master plan of salvation. And in the Great Commission, when he says, now you be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, He's handing us the brush. He handed us the brush to the church, to his body, to finish the work and to be his messengers. Aha, messengers. That's the last story I want to tell you. It's a fable about Ascension Day when Jesus gave the Great Commission, go make disciples of all nations, right? There a couple angels there who when Jesus ascended into the heaven, Uh, spoke the message he said this Jesus whom you saw go up into heaven he's going to come again right and then the angels followed Jesus up to the celebration in heaven when he got to his father's right hand and they started to scratch their spirit heads right and they said to Jesus "Did, did we hear just right down there you told those fishermen those tax collectors you told those disciples that they were now going to be the messengers Jesus said that's right And they said, but they've failed you so often. You know how weak they are. Jesus says, they shall be my messengers. And the angel says, well, just in case, Jesus, just in case they fail you again, do you have a plan B? And Jesus said, there is no plan B. Beautiful feat. The job of the church to finish the work that the Lord has done for us. To take a step of faith and walk on water because he is the ego e me. He is the great I am. And he promises to never leave us, to forsake us. He promises to save us and does every day. All praise to Jesus. There is no plan B. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, Keep our hearts and minds unto Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for faith. But we are praying as though it is Pentecost today. We need greater faith. We thank you for your promises. They are all over the Scriptures. We ask for the kind of faith to believe your promises. And then we thank you, O Lord, for the mission you've given us, to finish your work, so to speak, It's almost a heresy for us to think that way. But we know that you have empowered us and gifted us, and you are counting on us, because there is no plan B. We give it up to you, O Lord, in Jesus' name.